Hello and a massive thank you for joining us, listener. How are you? You're listening to My Surrogacy Journey, the podcast, and me and my husband will be taking you on a journey of education and surrogacy storytelling. I'm Michael. I'm a father of two to two gorgeous children through UK Surrogacy, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Wes, married to Michael. We're the founders of My Surrogacy Journey. Hello. It's wonderful to have you back. Thank you for downloading us again. Michael, we've also got ourselves a brand new podcast sponsor too. Manchester Fertility is a centre of excellence for surrogacy in the Midlands and the north of England. A leading fertility clinic with over 35 years of experience building families for people within the LGBTQ community. With an established heritage and excellent success rates, they provide many fertility treatments and pathways for same-sex couples and single, trans, non-binary people and heterosexual couples from across the UK. Manchester Fertility are well known for their fantastic team of experts who provide the best patient care. So we are hosts on My Surrogacy Journey, the podcast, and it's going to be a busy episode. We have got live guests coming out of our ears in the studio here in London, and we're talking all about surrogates and their partners. I hope you're ready for today's episode. It's going to be a two-parter because I think there's going to be so much valuable conversation. We just haven't left anything unheard. Absolutely. So we're going to be talking to the incredible Megan Watson-Wing and Ed Watson, who are married and childless by choice, and they were even pregnant with someone else's baby on their wedding day. And we also have a regular to our podcast, the lovely Gina and Ian Kinson, who are taking us through their experience, their current journey, which is going to give you all the fields. Hello, Hello. both. <laughs> Hi. How are you both? Yeah, well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, we're all right. Thank you. Gina, you're looking very swell. Yes, very heavy. Very swelled. <laughs> yeah. Very comfortable on that sofa, though. <laughs> so tell us about Gina and Ian, firstly. Gina, over to you. Yeah, so um, I'm a gestational surrogate. Having been on the journey, this is the third time now. So already given birth to two surrogate babies. And this is number three. How long have you got left? Literally a couple of weeks. Wow. <laughs> so yes, birth is uh, imminent. Yeah, very enjoyable. Not quite as difficult as the last journey, which didn't put me off. It's too addictive for that. So, um, <laughs> but it's for a different couple this time round. So new scenario, very different, but very enjoyable. Amazing. And and Ian, tell us about how involved you've been in this journey and, and the other journeys as well. So from my perspective, I've been there to support Gina throughout the whole journeys, all three of them, and I've learned a lot since the initial journey with um, Fran and Mark. Yeah. And, um, you know, after having two for them, or Gina did anyway, <laughs> I've, I've just adapted to a way in which I'm there to support Gina through every step throughout the whole journey up to the point where she is now ready to give birth to that third child for another wow. deserving couple. Amazing. And I think, you know, there's often this misconception that a partner to a surrogate plays no involvement. And we all know that that's absolutely not the case. I mean, we know from our own experience of our surrogate and Dave and, and the whole family and how the family are part of this journey too. And I think there's this misconception that people think it's just the surrogate and no one else plays a part. But how do you work as a team to manage this journey? So it's definitely a team effort, isn't it? Mm, um, definitely, yeah. This affects both of us physically, emotionally. You know, there's lots of things that 
I can't do necessarily if I'm sick or tired or the day's been too long or it's been too much or appointments, then I really do rely on Ian um, and the other members of my family and extensive friends. But I definitely couldn't do this without Ian. I need his shoulder to cry on, laugh on, communicate with, you know, when I'm stuck on how to think about something or how to feel about something, I've got him to chat to, Mm -hmm. you know, any concerns I have. He's the one that holds me up and he's the one that does the extra cooking or does the extra cleaning or says to me, you can do this and we can do this together. So Ian's nodding here, I can see him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm very much, you know, I'm very much there to support Gina as much as I can. She's doing the hard work carrying the baby. But at the end of the day, you know, there are other things that need doing that she's not capable of doing, especially at this stage where she is now. Um, so, yeah, I've just taken it upon myself to do it. I mean, we work as a team at the end of the day and, and the idea is that we get through it as a team. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't include me. That can include our kids as well. Yeah, and absolutely. The kids, the kids have got to be supportive. They are, thankfully. Um, and she's also got a network of friends around her as well as I have yeah, to help with the day-to-day, you know, things. Yeah. And, yeah. Such. and uh, you know, I've had the privilege of knowing you both for a number of years now. And I think one of the biggest lessons, I think, or, or, or uh, you know, I, I admire just your, your connection. And if my own marriage can feel so tight as how the two of you are and the way you support one another as an outsider looking in you're just so in tune and it's just wonderful to see and I think that for me is when you can see it working and you you don't almost have to communicate to one another you're just so in sync as a couple it's just wonderful to to witness from the outside so I just wanted to say that because I think you're both incredible and it's just wonderful to see how in tune you both are yeah thank you now invariably there are going to be some challenges you know even it's at the early stages when you look back to your you maybe your first journey you're now on your third what what are some of those kind of not bumps in the road but what are some of the things that have not, not caused problems but have been a challenge um To begin with, when we first set out on our first journey, we were so nervous. We were really sort of unsure of how to behave, how to navigate. Um, We're a lot more settled and relaxed this Mm -hmm. time round. I don't think we worry nearly as much because I think the ultimate thing about surrogacy is just to be yourselves and to be open and honest and just communicate all round, you know, between each other. Um, between you and the IPs and with everybody involved, really. Mm. And yes, like you say, when we first started, it was the unknown, certainly for me anyway. Yeah. Um, also for Gina as well, you know, we weren't, weren't to know what to expect yep. for either of us going forward. Um, but you're kind of like an old hat at it now, aren't you? We're, <laughs> we, That's we, not the old. <laughs> we, we know what to expect. We know how things are going to, um, you know, transition throughout your journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's just giving that reassurance to the IPs um, that, you know, they're in safe hands, basically. Totally. Yeah. And the experience that comes with hindsight and just listening to your body and and you know your marriage and the connection that you all have and and I think the communication is the is that that key 
piece of how all of this unfolds. What was it like, Im, from your point of view, when you when you were telling your colleagues or your friends? I'm always curious to understand how that type of thing goes down. When, when Gina first started? Yeah. Again, the naivety there probably of, of people not knowing what was involved and they couldn't get their head round why Gina would want to do that. Mm-hmm. As similar to me, when I first was introduced to surrogacy, I, I couldn't understand the reasoning why as to as to why Gina wanted to give birth to another baby that didn't belong to us. Uh-huh. But then again, once we got to know the, the intended parents and the reasons why they were looking for someone to carry a child for them, then um, it made it m- click with me. Mm-hmm. I, I clicked more then and then I, I understood the reason why Gina wanted to do it and I explained it just to a point where, you know, I just said, look, we've had our children, but yeah, Gina and I wanted to um, give back something to other people. Uh-huh. Um, Gina in particular, obviously, because she's the one carrying the baby. And, and the best way we could do that is to give a child for someone who couldn't have their own. And people were shocked at first. Yeah. Still couldn't understand it. I think the perception of, of Gina carrying a child, is she going to get attached to the child? Which is what everyone always thinks, don't they? Everyone thinks that automatically, yeah. yeah. But again, when you explain a little bit more, that, that, that it's not just something you just jump into. No. There's steps to go through. You you have to speak to people. Mm-hmm. You get you know a lot of information from people. You you, you find out more about it before just jumping in. As totally. Such. Um, People become invested as well, don't they? The amount yeah. of clients that you've got that ask about it, the, really. Yeah, how the journey's going, how I am. Yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. what, even the girls, you know, who are seven and four now, people that we have known just through work ask how the girls Still ask. are. Yeah. How amazing. Yeah, I mean, I go and see lots of clients all around the country, and, um, I, you know, I've known them for a similar period to the, the ages of the girls, so the last nine years but you know the last seven years um they've known me and they've known part of me being gina mm-hmm. who's been that surrogate mother so i'm always being asked when i go back how's your wife you know is she doing it again actually well yeah, last of years. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah i'm always i'm always updating them and they're always um intrigued as to, to how things are going how things are moving so in a way it's good because we're, we're spreading the word of surrogacy throughout the uk but absolutely subconsciously as such yeah, yeah. sure just through educating people yeah brilliant Talk to us about the impact that, you know, surrogacy has on your relationship, you know, because I think some people might not understand how that's going to happen. What are those things going to look like? Physically, um, going through IVF does have an impact on our relationship with the whole sort of cycles and, you know, not being able to be intimate for certain parts of that. That Mm -hmm. is something I think you have to acknowledge and you have to talk about and you have to sort of have that conversation of how it's going to affect you, you know, physically. We're 25 years in to our relationship, our marriage, so, you know, having that conversation wasn't really that difficult. I think maybe for a newer relationship, um, it might impact you a little bit differently. Sure. Mm-hmm. But then that's what's important, I think, to then talk to your IPs and just sort of come to an understanding that, you know, occasionally you might need a break. You yeah. know, you could do IVF for a couple of months. and That's it, okay to say, it's isn't it? It's okay, yeah, yeah, it's okay. You know, it depends on sort of how important certain aspects of the relationship is to you. Um, and for every couple, that's going to be completely different. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, what might work for one person might not work for another. 
Um, so yeah, and and emotionally, yeah, it's just about keeping the communication, just being honest and talking and asking what the other person needs, mm -hmm. what they want from you. Mm -hmm. The two of you are, are, are veterans at this now, and you're just so experienced with what with with not only understanding surrogacy, but you know, Gina, you're a huge part of the community anyway. What are some of the changes from journey one to journey three? What's evolved or is there anything in particular that stand out that you think, oh yeah, this does feel different because of X? Is there anything that springs to mind from being a bit more experienced? I think the intensity of the relationship, wanting to be what everybody ex else expects it to be. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's very there's quite a pressure in the surrogacy community to be best friends, to find that ultimate relationship. Yeah. And I think third journey on, we haven't put that pressure upon ourselves, which is no. really, really helped hugely because everyone comes into this from a different perspective and you don't go into, when you first meet your other half, you're not expected to marry them straight away. You know, you just take the pressure off, see how things go, see how things evolve. And you don't have to talk every day and you don't have to be best friends, do you? And you don't, like, that was one thing that you worried about, Ian, wasn't it? About, oh, it's, it's more emotional yeah. pressure. Investment. Investment that you might not necessarily have. No, sure. You know, no, on your sure. second or third or fourth journey. Mm -hmm. It's um, about capacity as well, isn't it? And, and having that capacity to be able to invest to the same level as you did previously and you know it's quite interesting because we literally just recorded another podcast and what we were talking about on there was about being realistic about the relationship and not putting too much pressure on yourselves for it to be you know unicorns and rainbows and you know if it's not unicorns and rainbows that's okay too yeah. you know it's about being realistic and everyone being happy with with that relationship because there is only so much you totally you can put in is is there a secret to ip relationships is there a little nugget out there that's sharing your expectations yeah. isn't it that's yeah, what we discussed before expectations your past experiences so if if you've got them yeah like gina has yeah sh sharing as much information as possible and the the, the step-by-step -step process of going through a journey mm -hmm. um you know Certainly for like the husbands out there, uh, um, or the surrogate, some are scared, just like I was when I first started, as to what to expect. Mm -hmm. um, how are they going to feel with their wife carrying another baby mm -hmm. for someone else? Mm -hmm. Surrogacy has come on leaps and bounds over the last however many years, the last 10 years at least, where there's more information out there, there's more people talking about it. And um, I think that's that's paramount when trying to support any partner yeah. in, in going through a journey with, with someone. Would this have helped you back at the beginning, do you think, listening to a podcast with a surrogate and their partner absolutely. explain, would, would, you, would you have found this really useful? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because, again, again, for me, it was the unknown, as it was for Gina, but me more so. Um, I was very... I wouldn't say I was anti it, but I was wasn't very keen uh -huh. on Gina doing it initially. Because you'd be worried, you know, the, the yeah, risk to health and you know what's it going to feel like having you know your, your 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 wife carry someone else's baby. I totally get all of those types of concerns. But at least with at least now we have the network of support yeah. um, that we have 
like especially through things like MSJ mm -hmm. and other organisations, and um, it really helps. Uh, it's going to help everyone. It help everyone along. I think one thing you worried about was the power dynamic as well. Oh, really, within sort of you know, are we signing up to do as we're told? Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. sort of. Are mm. we going to have to I think that's legitimate. do X, Y, Z? You know, yeah. is there a right or a wrong way to do things? Mm -hmm. Whereas actually in reality, it's much, much more balanced. I think you were surprised, weren't you, to find that actually it's way more of a team effort rather than a... Mm. It's one of those misconceptions, isn't it? Mm. You know, are you... Are you, are you going to be told what to eat, where to go? What, you know, it, it's, and exactly, it's not yeah. like that. And that's... A clear, you know, I've heard a number of people have those types of concerns, but you know, I think again, if you're communicating as a as a team and as a group, then that's how you avoid those types of fears. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about your journey that you're on now. Tell us <laughs> as she beams, as she smiles, she's thinking. There's two weeks left. There's two weeks left. Let's come to. Ian first, actually. I'm throwing this one in at you, Ian. I'm sorry. When Gina was like, oh, do you know what? I think I want to do this again. Just one more. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Tell us tell us what it was like. To be honest, it wasn't as big a shock as I thought it would really? be. Because I kind of knew in the heart of hearts that <laughs> she was going to do it again. Um, <laughs> but I obviously had my concerns. Again, with all due respect to Gina, she's, she's not a spring chicken anymore. She's getting on um, in terms of the world of surrogacy anyway. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was going to be a more difficult journey yeah. this time than it was for the first two times. I mean, thankfully, you've not been too bad this journey, have you really? No, no, no. It's actually been... It's been quite pleasant. Easier than the last one, actually, surprisingly. Yeah. That said, she's not doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> so she keeps telling me. <laughs> no, no, I think that is it now. I mean, you've fulfilled what you wanted to do, and that was to give other people... A chance of having their own child. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think anyone, anyone could say that you haven't done an amazing job. And oh amazing, my gosh! You Absolutely. know, I don't think anyone's going to be criticising Jean. I think no. you have. If you if you hung your boots up after <laughs> this one, I think there's you know, no judgment here. No, not at all. I'm super proud of her as well. She's done really well. She's she's Phenomenal. amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. It's that phrase, isn't it? Oh, there's this couple. There is this. Couple. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem. There's so many deserving couples out there, and you want to say, "Yeah, we'll help you." I love how you how so you we we totally. I love, and again, this comes back to it makes me quite emotional. Just the connection of how you both are, and it is always on. You know, you've got her back. She's clearly got yours. And you make this decision together, together. as a we. It's a royal we. We, we want to help. Because yeah. it is about what both of you, you can't do this on your own. You know, this is, you, you are a connected team and you have to, you have to do it together. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. My rock. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So Meg and Ed, let's hear about your story. Tell us, tell us about your journey. So uh, when lockdown hit, like I think many people, I was on furlough and questioning like what to do with my days. So I looked into egg donation, did that twice with your help. You did all of my needles when I didn't want to do them. And then um, I sort of started talking to you about surrogacy and it was one of those things where we spoke about it and maybe we will maybe we won't if the timing's right then we met you two and 
it just it went from there early 2021 and it's been a part of our lives ever since and that, and how is it for you ed um to be honest i i, I didn't really feel one way or the other in terms of I had no feelings against it and I was only supportive kind of thing because at the end of the day it's not a massive toll on me physically or anything like that I'm just there to support just (laughs) just there to support Mm -hmm. for me I thought it was fantastic the whole concept of where you've got lots of people um, fertile hetero people who can just have families at will I think they kind of take it a little bit for granted, the privilege of having a family. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, everyone's got different concepts of what family unit is. Ours is us plus animals. Other yep. people will be them plus kids. And not everyone has that opportunity. And the fact that Megan wanted to give that opportunity to people and, and help others complete what their concept of a family unit was, how could I not be supportive? I think that was really articulate. So gorgeously put. The two of you are... Childless by choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got some gorgeous fur babies. <laughs> and furless. And, fur- and furless, actually. Yeah, that's very true. Let's We're not discriminate, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> um, just navigate our listener through the choice of not wanting children at this current time. Or just, just educate us on that. Because I think that's really important. Yeah. So for me personally, I have no issues with people who have kids. I'm not someone who's like, it's right or wrong. It's just, you know, for me personally, I never saw myself as a mum. I don't have that sort of maternal instinct in me. And also I think with the way the world is and, you know, the cost of living crisis and housing crisis and, you know, so many people don't have homes and they can't heat their homes. And I think I wouldn't want to bring a kid into that. But that's not to say that people that do bring their kids into that, they're like they shouldn't be doing that. It's just I personally couldn't choice. see. Yeah, I just personally couldn't see myself doing that. And you were. I'm f- yeah, fairly same. similar. So I mean, I was always introverted when I was younger, and I wasn't that much of a social being kind of thing. Huh? And I think it's kind of an extension from that that I like what I have with my wife and our animals and stuff. And I've got two nieces, which I love spending time with, but. It's the concept that that's not my 24 seven, six hours a day, eight hours a day spending time with them, fantastic. But the fact that I get to give them back <laughs> yeah. is brilliant as well. That's one of the privileges of being an <laughs> uncle or an auntie. Mm-hmm. You can just go, see ya. Yeah, <laughs> give them sugar, teach them a few naughty words. Then <laughs> yeah. like we didn't do anything. <laughs> didn't learn that from us. <laughs> that's just like our children's yeah. uncles. <laughs> Ed, so when Megan said to you, look, this is something I want to do, what was your initial reaction and how did it, you know, what was your initial thoughts around um, wanting to do that yeah my first thought was oh, that's fantastic that you want to be that altruistic and, and and do that the second one was let's make sure we think of all the eventualities everything that could go wrong as well as what could go right and then it was purely about finding the right people to do the journey with because sure. as much as we'd be going for a journey ourselves we also it, it, it's not a team of two like in a if, if you will traditional pregnancy it's a team of four and There'll be times that, I mean, I know from my uh, uh, sister-in-law how difficult pregnancy can be. And I know from friends and stuff like that. So there's going to be times where it's going to be hard. You need to have that right connection with people to be able to get through those hard times together. And did you have any initial concerns? Was it about health? Was it about, Did not, you have any concerns at all? Not really. Um, I mean, Megan's a very strong individual. And, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, and I don't think there's much that, if, if any difficulties, any medical problems, any mental problems, any 
any social problems, anything like that thrown at her. I don't think there's much that she wouldn't be able to get through. And sure. I don't think there's much that we wouldn't be able to get through together. So I wasn't so worried about that. It was more of a case of making sure everything was right. That it was the right, right people, the right conditions, the right time and all that kind of stuff. Beyond that, no, it's fantastic. And when we were going through like the matching process and speaking to your counsellors, Tracy, one of your counsellors made a really good point. She was like, in our foundation as a four, she was like, Edward is going to be the glue. And we all sort of, <laughs> we we laughed and we joked and we were like, oh yeah, the one not carrying the kid and the one not going to be the dad. Yeah, he'll be the glue. But literally after the baby was born all of us were like yeah he was he was the foundation oh. of us all like it, it we all say it wouldn't have happened if you weren't in the picture or if you weren't as supportive cleaning buckets and yeah, <laughs> yeah even no, the midwives I, wanted to keep him but i do <laughs> i do think that there's an underestimation with with people who are right at the start of their journey about the role the partner plays yeah. mm -hmm. and i think some people think that the, the partner doesn't play a role but i think you've said it again you talked about we as in mm -hmm. you as a team. And I think that that's one of the fundamental things that I think people underestimate is that everyone plays a part in that journey. Yeah. Yeah. And that journey wouldn't be as successful if everyone didn't play their part. And that yeah. includes Ed, mm -hmm. and it includes everyone in there. And I think people really underestimate that. Ed, sorry, I'm, I'm <laughs> getting all these questions from Ed, but you know, if looking back at your journey, was there anything that you underestimated? In my personal life, I'm not very organised. I'm very organised work-wise, but when it comes to my personal life, it just kind of disappears. <laughs> and I, I rely heavily on on Megan to make sure that everything's organised. And I think that part was, I underestimated a bit how much detail goes into it. As we went through the journey around the birthing plans and all the bits and pieces that need to be in place, luckily I went into business ed mode on the day mm -hmm. and, and made sure that everything was being checked off and that we got everything that we needed. But... I think the amount that goes into it, and, and I think it's one that I didn't really appreciate was the complexities that the intended parents have to go through in terms of the legal aspect. And I, I think I, I didn't really have an appreciation for how difficult it is for them and how much I'd be doing what I can to support them through and, and make sure that they're comfortable so they can focus on what they need to while Meg's doing the job of growing the baby. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, and that's the thing, you know, the partner's, play a fundamental role for surrogates that are partnered you know mm -hmm. it's being that crutch for fourth trimester when you might be thinking the world's going a bit crazy on you and you need that steady eddie literally mm -hmm. um <laughs> just holding you tight when you might be feeling quite vulnerable you know it's all of the other little things that you can pick yeah. up and you even consider the intended parents which again is just partners are, are, are sometimes really underrated in this process and clearly you are the glue you're thinking of all of the people involved mm -hmm. in this journey and not just your wife yeah let's talk about you getting married because mm -hmm. this is one of my favorite stories yeah. um <laughs> and if you and if you lovely listener picked up a sunday paper fairly recently you would have seen this story looking like a Bond villain, um, <laughs> which you both looked incredible. Um, tell us about how surrogacy played a role in your wedding day. 
So we got engaged. That wasn't how it was planned, was it? No, it wasn't. No, because no. I remember very specifically when you onboarded, yeah. you had a very specific timeline in mind. Yeah. And we, the wedding was always part of that and you didn't want to be pregnant yeah. during your wedding. Yeah. Well, it, uh, we were more of a case of we like to think what is meant to be will be and what will happen will happen. And we got engaged and we sort of got engaged and then had the conversations of surrogacy. And we did sort of sit and think about oh you know with the wedding day is that gonna change anything and we spoke about you know the implications of our wedding day and realistically it's one day like I wasn't planning my life around my wedding so I wasn't gonna plan surrogacy around my wedding and I also wasn't gonna plan a wedding around surrogacy either it was a case of if the timing felt right with my IPs then why would we not try it and we we met and we had like a six months getting to know period and we all just sort of went well do you want to maybe give it a try and I, I thought well why not like being pregnant on my wedding day it just means I can't drink on my wedding day it's not the worst thing in the world it means I got to wear crocs on my wedding day and no one could judge me which was <laughs> amazing um, and then when my dress didn't fit people didn't like they couldn't comment on it because I would have cried <laughs> um, but we got married uh, when I was seven months pregnant we did the legal part in Vegas we flew and had like the typical Elvis wedding cool. and then I don't expect anything less by the way yeah <laughs> Yeah, of course. Like, it had to be over the top in one way or the other. And then we flew back and that week we got married in the UK. Our IPs were there and our families got to meet them. Like they've seen pictures of them and they've heard nothing but amazing things about them. But they actually got to meet them and also put faces to names and learn what we're doing this for and like my aunt god bless her wouldn't leave one of them alone like she was pestering him all night and I was <laughs> like if it's too much let me know and I will drag her away but having them be a part of our lives in that sense was just like and having them be a part of our day and looking back at pictures and think like it's kind of encapsulated our surrogacy journey as well like we have these like really lovely photos that was our wedding day but you know you can see a bump and you can see a life grow in and yeah it's just amazing yeah, i think it's um the other side is your wedding day is a very special day to you um the baby is is a very special thing the whole surrogacy journey is very special having them together i think is just amazing because then it's it's a memory and then when we talk back and it, it's like oh, i remember how you were throwing up in the morning and <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, most and, people are like hung over the next day after their wedding and vomiting and i was vomiting because i had morning sickness even <laughs> seven to eight months into it wow and you know, I, like all my family would joke that like my little sicky bucket that I had, they were like, <laughs> you'll be walking down the aisle with your sicky bucket. And oh, that was the bucket you were just referring to a minute ago. I didn't go anywhere without my bucket. <laughs> it was, I still have the bucket. It's like my little emotional support bucket now. Um, but yeah, so it was just to be able to do that pregnant. Most people, when they plan a wedding, they're like, oh, I want to be able to enjoy it and fit in my dress and drink and this that, and the other. I didn't care. I, I don't care. It's a day where I get to celebrate marrying you with our friends and family. Well, it's a day of celebrating love and yeah. that baby was made with a lot of love. Oh my and God. It, and I just, but I just think that's really like, that just goes to demonstrate what type of people you are because I think there are a lot of people that would want their wedding day how they wanted it and wouldn't have, have contemplated being a surrogate and having someone else's baby during their marriage. But as you guys you just articulated it really well it, it was just another big part of so your day and I think mm. 
I think that just really goes to demonstrate what amazing people you are that are helping people grow or extend their families. Yeah, it's just sure. it's just amazing. Is there or are there any words of wisdom for other surrogates and their spouses or partners that you if you know if they're listening now and you know maybe the partner's not quite on board yet what would your advice be when building that relationship or supporting your partner who's a surrogate and then and then vice versa from a a, mm. a partner megan i would say that you get into relationships knowing that you're going to go through good times and bad times and life is an a to b like point blank you can't plan your life like you can try but that's not how it works that's kind of the same approach with surrogacy you could be a seasoned pro like Gina has kids and has been a surrogate three times but her three surrogacies might have been completely different mm -hmm. and her hormones could have been completely different and your mental outlook can be different but you know you go into a relationship knowing that you're going to rely on each other through thick and thin and surrogacy is no different. Like there's no question too stupid. There's no emotion too over the top. And being able to have someone that you can vocalize those feelings with so you don't feel crazy and you don't feel like you're on your own is very important. I don't think I could have got through it if we didn't have an open relationship. Not not open, <laughs> not open, like, like an open communication, communication relationship. <laughs> Um, just keeping in contact with each other, just checking in. Like, it, it, like it got to the point where you know sickness every day, and Edward didn't need to ask how I was doing. He would know how I was doing, but he would do little things like already have my bucket cleaned out like straight away, and getting food cooked and in the oven because he knew that like I needed it and this that and the other it's just about checking in with each other and you are equally important you know it, there might be this sort of narrative in your head as a surrogate that you know you're the most important one and that's kind of what some people made me feel like and mm -hmm. I didn't feel that way it was always a group effort and we were always like 50 50 and everything just relying on your partner for anything you need no no ask is too much when you're pregnant no ask is too big or too small you can get whatever you want <laughs> yeah i think um it is, uh, as an extension it's the three things of communication honesty and understanding it's um you, you need to be able to talk to each other and you need to be able to have the difficult conversations as well when uh if for example if i wasn't on board with this as much then we would have had a, a conversation around it it had been difficult but to understand why I wasn't on board with it maybe or, yeah. and to understand why Megan was so passionate about doing this and uh -huh. if you've got that understanding and you're both being honest with each other and talking to each other then it, it kind of helps the whole process along and as, as we was going along if, if there was something that I did wrong or whatever then Megan would tell me and it would be the same way as if she was doing something that I couldn't get on board with or if there's something that I didn't like if I felt uncomfortable or something then we talk about it and we'd we'd figure it out together because at the end of the day we work working as a team i mean with the whole covid restrictions and stuff i couldn't come in for the scans but that was fine because then megan would tell me about them afterwards and i'd see the pictures and stuff there's a few, few bits like that that will be difficult for the partner but as long as you've kind of got understanding okay we understand it can't be like this what's the important thing is it that big of a deal and how do we move on how, how do we get through this and working through it 
It sounds like you had a very pragmatic but logical approach to it that seems to work. And that's that I'm assuming that's kind of how you are generally anyway. And you just this was just an, an extension mm -hmm. and an addition to, yeah. to your relationship. Yeah. And I think as well, like it tested our relationship, not in necessarily a bad way, but in ways that we didn't think it would like we for example we planned a natural birth and it didn't end up happening we had a c-section and because it was all news to us and they come in with all this paperwork and things to sign and you know you, you you're just wrapping your head around the fact you're not having the birth you planned and you're having a c-section and you know you're taking god knows how many drugs at that point and there's paperwork and they give you all like the scary statistics and before being wheeled in we had to have a conversation like oh okay but although we don't want kids we still need to talk about if one of us changes our mind is this going to impact us mm -hmm. and you know that sort of open risks yeah yeah and that opened up the conversation after the baby was born and we would check in and be like right you, you still don't want kids no okay i still don't want kids but we need to have that conversation just that. in case i love the fact that the narrative continues yeah you know and it's there's and we, we've also sort of built our relationship on we're adaptable to each other so for example if ed changed his mind on kids tomorrow we would have that conversation tomorrow mm -hmm. and see if we can sort out a resolution we've never been a couple that hasn't yeah. spoken to well, I think we've each got, other we've got the awareness that things change they, yeah. i mean decisions that you make five years ago might not be the same decision that you make yeah. now mm -hmm. i mean I, I had long hair and a perm when i was 17 i <laughs> definitely wouldn't do that again now um, <laughs> and it's think okay this is slightly bigger than that but it's the same concept of well, we've got two very adorable nieces and and the baby that was born is very adorable checking in because obviously that might change feelings and stuff luckily we're both on the same page um, yeah i mean i can't imagine we'd ever not be on the same page but if we were then we'd have again open conversation about it and figure out how do we develop mm -hmm. that understanding and how do we go from there but i think that approach is how you navigate through a journey well totally and you mm -hmm. you know you take you, know, you that, have that, to be okay to change yeah. Yeah. yeah you have to be like just like any traditional normal pregnancy is that won't be smooth sailing nine times out of ten it won't be perfect mm -hmm. pitch perfect how you want it to be and that's how it is with surrogacy yeah. and that's the approach all of us took we take it one day at a time one problem at a time yeah. one great thing to happen at a time one bad thing to happen at a time mm -hmm. and i think we did okay you did we did right you did, <laughs> <laughs> you did okay it was a cute baby born so <laughs> exactly job to tick <laughs> Well, that was another great episode. And because we love you all, that's a two-parter. So next week, make sure you download part two. Don't forget, if you need your podcast fix, we're back every Monday, proudly sponsored by Manchester Fertility, a leading fertility clinic with over 35 years of experience building families for people within the LGBTQ plus community. If you want to find out more about My Surrogacy Journey, then please head over to our website, mysurrogacyjourney.com or find us on Instagram, official My Surrogacy Journey. And if you like this episode, then please subscribe to the series. We'll have another episode coming out weekly. Thank you for listening. We have been your My Surrogacy Journey podcast hosts. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.